Well, around here at Trace, we're super excited about Trace Fit Kids. Uh, it actually happens next week. This coming Friday is the last uh, day for you to get your kids or neighbor's kids or grandkids or like random kids that signed up for this thing. Uh, and so uh, ages three years old all the way up to fifth grade, we already have over 80 kids are going to be involved in this camp. And it's not going to be, it's not a VBS. That is a, a fitness style camp where we're developing character and introducing these kids to Jesus. And so uh, partnership with D1, awesome opportunity uh, for you to get some kids signed up for that, especially those that wouldn't typically attend uh, kind of a church event. This would be a great opportunity for them. So make sure you do that. Uh, also, I just want to welcome you guys. My name is Corey. For those of y'all that don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here, uh, teaching pastor, next generation pastor. And today I have the privilege of actually bringing the message to you guys. Uh, if you've not been with us over the last several weeks, we've been in a series called The Power of E, where we've been looking at some, some concepts um, that Jesus has demonstrated where we, when we do it the right way, like there's incredible power in these particular things. And so the very first week of this series, we talked about the, uh, the power of encouragement and then uh, empathy. And then last week we looked at empowerment. Uh, and today what we're going to do is we're going to be turning our attention to the power of emotions. Now, uh, there are two things you need to know about this. One uh, is that when I told my wife that I would be speaking on emotions, she laughed at me. Okay, here's the second thing you need to know is that uh, her laughing at me made me feel sad, all right, because I do have emotions amorous whether or not it looks like I do or not. Okay, so she's in the back row. You all can all look at her and glare at her with eyes of lack of, yes, okay, anyway, so here's the deal, I, guys, I, I am admittedly uh, not in a very emotional guy, I'm kind of like the meh, you know, uh, if, 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 if any of you guys have seen that movie, it's, it's great, but, and I've actually, I've, I've kind of prided myself on being what I consider to be, uh, like, stoic or, or stable, and what I've been learning is that, that, like, not expressing emotions doesn't necessarily mean that you're emotionally stable, um, and a matter of fact, I, we were in a marriage group, uh, this is several years back, and I think we did this with Aaron and Emily at some point in time, but we were in a marriage group, and uh, our marriage mentor had given us this exercise where we're supposed to like sit down and communicate our feelings to one another, uh, which for all you guys out there, like some of you are like, this is nightmare type of stuff. Um, but we were trying to communicate our feelings, and I'm like terrible at this, like so bad that my marriage mentor literally had to give me a cheat sheet to be able to express my emotions, right? And so like generally like there's seven different emotions, and like most of the time guys just feel anger, okay? So like, he's like, okay, you have to say something other than this right here, you know? And so I literally had to be able to use this cheat sheet to be able to help express my emotions. Now, here's the deal. I'm, I'm not a psychologist, all right? I don't pretend to be one. My, my hope today is not to diagnose you, um, but I do think that we need to have a conversation about emotions, and we need to examine them a little bit further because I think uh, we, we kind of miss the mark oftentimes when it comes to emotions. I know I have. And so this morning, even though I'm not going to try to diagnose you, I, I think there is a really good tool to have a conversation about emotions, and uh, it's in this clip. So take a look at this real quick. How was the first day of school? He's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be joy. What? Probing us? What? Um, hmm. It was fun, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. With a nice pass over the reed, comes across that right. Ahem. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. <laughs> uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry.
Sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? <sighs> He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Seriously? Oh, you kidding me? Time. For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo! I'll be jewel. School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. Okay. No, 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 no. Stay happy. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady. I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. A disaster. Well, that was a disaster. <laughs> Come, fly me, me gatinha. Uh, I'm not sure if, if our emotions exactly interact like that, all right? But you can see, like, the like emotions have power over us, and they have power over our interactions with each other. And so it's important that we be able to have a right understanding and relationship with our emotions because we are all emotional beings regardless of whether we think we are not and that's one of the things that make us human we just each of us have different ways in which we choose to or are elicited by this response of these particular emotions and so here's the deal lately i've been asking a lot of questions i've been inquiring a lot about this concept of emotions because i know for sure i do but i, I think that a lot of us just miss the mark when it comes to our emotions uh, and so if, if I've learned anything over the, the years of following Jesus, that it, when you find yourself missing the mark on something, it's a really good idea to go to the one who's actually created you to find out what the target is that you should be aiming at in the first place. And so let's, let's do that together. Let's take a look at the God of emotions together. And one of the things uh, that might be in, interesting to you is that there's been like an ongoing theological argument throughout centuries uh, about God and how he is perceived through the eyes of emotions, whether or not God himself is emotional or whether emotions are actually confined to his creation. Uh, the terminology that's given for this is actually the impassibility of God. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to try to debate whether or not that's the case or not today. That's not my point, but it's a really good starting point to be able to take a look at God and how he sees emotion so that we can understand it rightly and be able to laser in on the target that he wants us to go after. And so there's a few things that I think, actually two, that, uh, that I think are really important for us to understand. The very first thing is this, that God created emotion. Like he's the creator of this thing. When, when he developed humanity, when he put us on this earth, when he created in his own image, he felt the need to impart emotions on us. For one reason or another, okay? And so obviously it's an important thing to God. He instituted this. He instilled it into us. And therefore, that should show us some degree of importance. In addition to that, and here's the second thing, that God himself embraces emotion when he puts on flesh and dwells among us. 
okay? Jesus himself embodies emotion. He allows himself to, to, to succumb to emotion while he's in our presence. And that is something important for us to understand about how God sees emotion. Matter of fact, the people who recorded the words and the ways of Jesus, they, they made it a very specific task to show in, uh, the, um, how Jesus felt and how he demonstrated his feelings while he was here among us. It was really important to these guys to demonstrate not only the, the divine nature of Jesus, but also his humanity. And emotions are one of those things that define our humanity. G. Walter Hansen says it this way. says, the gospel writers paint the portrait. And by the way, the gospel, just the, the, the stories that were written about Jesus. Uh, the gospel writers uh, paint their portraits of Jesus using a kaleidoscope of brilliant emotional colors. Jesus felt compassion. He was angry, indignant, and consumed with zeal. He was troubled and greatly distressed, very sorrowful, depressed, deeply moved and grieved. He sighed, he wept and sobbed, he groaned, he was in agony. He was surprised and amazed, he rejoiced very greatly and was full of joy. He we greatly desired and he loved. You, you see, the, the Bible and the compilation of stories that we get of Jesus paint a very clear picture that Jesus was fully human. Now, being the God-man that he is, he could have been above emotion. He didn't have to succumb to emotion, but he chose to do so. He chose to fully feel why he was here in our presence. Now, uh, that, that little phrase, fully feel, is something that we're going to kind of digest a little bit as we continue this conversation together today. And so allow me to define that for us uh, as we move forward. This fully feeling is to experience the emotion, but to act accordingly, to respond rightly. And that's how we see Jesus going about his business. And so if God himself imparted emotion on us, and if God himself embraced emotion while he was among us, like emotion is an important thing, and therefore we need to dive into this. What does that mean for us? Here's what I think it means for us, and this is the one thing I want to leave you guys with today as we ponder through this. The one thing is this. Allow yourself to fully feel, but make sure you keep it real, okay? Because that's what Jesus did. Now, Guys, I know rhyming a one thing is not like the most popular thing to do, okay? But here's the deal. This, this one thing it, um, is going to do a couple things. One, it's memorable, all right? So you're going to remember this. Second, Aaron is the one who came up with it, so I figured we'd use it. You can blame him for that. Uh, but third, uh, it really communicates what I think God is trying to communicate to us about the target that we're looking at for emotion. So allow yourself to fully feel, but make sure you keep, real, uh, keep it real because when we look at Jesus, we see him demonstrating it in that way. So allow me to pray a prayer over us as we, can, as we kind of dive in specifically to diagnosing uh, some of the emotions uh, that we feel and how we should go about that by praying a prayer that I've actually been praying like myself in this regard. So let's, let's pray. Father, uh, this thing of emotion is, is something that I don't um, oftentimes have right. And so um, Lord, I pray that you would teach me. Uh, teach me why it is that you've given us emotions in the first place the place that it should play in my life, and, Father, how you want me to engage with my emotions so that I can experience the full power that you have given to us in that regard. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, now, most, uh, most psychologists would, would kind of boil down emotions into like seven main categories, okay? And of those categories, when you look at them, like the large majority of them are like bad emotions, right? And anger and jealousy and, and fear and, and, uh, and grief, those kind of things. Are like you look at them and, and instinctively you're like, well, those are bad emotions. Uh, well, here's the deal. Um, emotions themselves are not bad uh, or good. 
They're, they're actually amoral. Emotions are amoral. They, they are not intrinsically good or bad, but they can cause us to be immoral. And that is why it's so important for us to get a handle on our emotions and how we should respond to them. Otherwise, it could lead us down a path that would actually cause us to sin, to veer from God's intended purposes for emotions. And so it's important that we actually kind of look at the spectrum, if you will, and be able to self-assess and help find out where we are on this spectrum of emotion so that we know how to move rightly to become like how God actually intended us to in emotions. Uh, this is a part of what we call emotional intelligence. Not only understanding your own emotions and how they affect you, but being able to look and see and be aware of the emotions of other people and, and know how to interact with them. And emotional intelligence is something that's not just important uh, to Jesus, uh, as we'll see here, but it's important like in our social interactions. Matter of fact, a lot of employers these days will actually hold uh, this idea of emotional intelligence above even intellectual competencies. And so it's an important thing. So as, as uh, Aaron and I and others were kind of looking at this uh, and, and talking about this, this spectrum of emotion, we kind of came up with two ways that people typically respond uh, to emotion. And you have like two ends of the spectrum. You have people that are uh, kind of avoidant of emotions, and you have people that are, that are driven by emotions. And the words that I've given for us today are these two words, okay? Uh, we have those that are uh, dismissive of emotions and those that are dominated by emotions, Okay, and if you don't know where you're at yet, hopefully by the end of our conversation, you'll know which side of this spectrum you typically lean. And the, real, the reality is this, that all of us lean one way or the other. We just, we do. We lean toward uh, responding to our emotions in one way <coughs> or the other. And so, uh, so here's the deal. Some of you guys are going to need to allow yourself to feel some, a little bit more. And, and others of you are going to need to depend on your feelings a little bit less in order to come to this place, which we'll talk about, where God has, has asked us to be in our emotions. And so let's start off with this, this side of the spectrum. Let's look at the dismissive of side, because that's probably the one that I'm most familiar with. It's the easiest one for me to talk about, and some of you guys can relate to me. As a matter of fact, uh, just by giving the two categories, how many of you, like, raised your hands, are, like, on the dismissive of side of the category? All right. Your hands raised nice and high, yes, okay. We are horrible people, right? I mean, emotionless, apathetic, we don't care about anybody else. No, that's not the case, all right? That's not the reality that we live in, okay? But to other people who are on the emotional side of things, like, they're not going to get what I'm going to talk about right now, okay? Because they think and they process through their emotions, whereas, like, us on this side of things, like, we, we don't do that as much, um, and so anyway, let's, let's, let's get into this a little bit. Those of us that are on the dismissive side of emotions, uh, somewhere along the way, we've either been told this or we've experienced it for ourselves. We tell ourselves these things, but like we, we like real men don't cry. Like that would be one of the statements that we've heard. Or, or for those of you all that are gals that are sitting on this side of things, uh, you know, emotions uh, show weakness. And so like you need to avoid them at all costs. Uh, or others of you guys, you know, emotions make you vulnerable and vulnerability is a bad thing in our culture. Like, we can't go there. You can't ever be angry. Ultimately, somewhere along the way, we bought into, and it's a lie, but we bought into the concept that feelings are bad and cannot be trusted. Feelings are bad and cannot be trusted. And so this is how it kind of plays out. Just give you all a little bit of insight into those that are dismissive of our emotions. What happens is, is we do feel things. We just don't embrace or express those feelings in the same way that 
others might, okay? Matter of fact, we are kind of dismissive of those things, and so I will experience something that will actually start to make me cry, that will make me tear up. I'll hear a country song, you know, talking about, you know, my daughter getting married, and all of a sudden, like, it'll start welling up inside of me, but there's something in me that just goes, no, control it, capture it, don't let it come out, all right? Kind of like, like the tangled, uh, not tangled girl, but the, what's the one that's let it go, let it go, you know? Elsa, yes, you know, they're doing the little spin and stuff like that, yeah. So, like, you know, like, no, don't let it go. Like, keep it in. Like, that's, that's what you should do because emotions are bad, and somehow they're going to lead me to actually be out of control of some sort. I, I think that's kind of what we think. Now, it's easier for me to see it on that side, but my, my daughter actually made me aware of this probably about a year ago, and she made a comment, and it really disturbed me. Uh, but she, she said, Dad, why, do, why don't you ever laugh? And I thought about that, and I'm like, I... I do laugh. Like, I laugh all the time. I make people laugh. Like, it's like, I, it, like, I enjoy laughing. But I started to think about it a little bit because she's definitely on the emotional side of things. And, and I don't laugh and express my emotions the same way that she does. And I started to think about that a little bit further. Not only do I not do that the same way that she does, I'm guarded even with my excitement. I'm guarded even with the things that I allow myself to, like, express in a joyful nature because for some reason, somehow, I've, I've conditioned myself to say, that's not good. So I even curb my excitement because I have, and this is the technical term for this, I have suppressed my emotions. And for some of us that would lean on this side, we, we suppress our emotions so much that we actually stop feeling them, stop acknowledging them which can actually lead us to apathy, not hatred. Hatred is actually a very strong emotion. It leads us to apathy, and apathy can lead us to narcissism where we get completely out of touch with the rest of humanity. Guys, like, that's not a healthy way of approaching or thinking about emotion. And so for those of you all that are on this side of the spectrum, I want to I share a Jesus story with you to see how Jesus actually interacted with his emotions a little bit. And it might help us to have a right way of being able to interact with our own emotions. And, and this particular story comes from John chapter 11. And uh, verse 35 says this, Jesus wept. You all know this particular passage, right? One of the shortest verses in all of Scripture. But let me give you the context of what's happening here. You see, Jesus has a friend. His name's Lazarus. And Lazarus is sick. He's not doing well. He's going to die. But Jesus is in another town, and uh, for whatever reason, he doesn't choose to, like, up and go immediately. Uh, And by the time he gets to the town where Lazarus is, Lazarus is dead. And and the Scripture tells us that all the people around Lazarus, his family and his friends, they're weeping, they're mourning, they're grieving the loss of their friend. And he's in the tomb, and he's in the grave, and he smells and he stinks. And Jesus comes, and, and, and it says that he was moved, and he wept. Jesus wept. Now, parse this down for you a little bit. The passage actually tells us that Jesus already knows what he's going to do with Lazarus. He's going to bring him back to life. And even if he didn't bring him back to life, like, he knows what's on the other side of eternal life. Like, it's a good thing. And so the knowledge that Jesus has about his friend Lazarus is not the thing that's causing him to weep. He's not weeping over Lazarus's death. Uh, My opinion on this is that as he's looking at this situation, I think two things. One, he sees the pain and the hurt that it causes other people. When people die, and he allows himself to be moved with compassion and sympathy over these people who are hurting uh, over the loss of their friend. And so he weeps. I think another real possibility is that he sees the devastation that death causes because of sin. And I think that there's a hatred that actually wells up into Jesus about death itself. 
But, but you see, Jesus actually allows himself to fully feel in this moment and to express those feelings accordingly. And John Stott says it this way, I discovered, too, that Jesus of Nazareth, the perfect human being, was no tight-lipped, unemotional ascetic. On the contrary, I read that he turned on hypocrites with anger. He looked at the rich young ruler and loved him. He could both rejoice in spirit and sweat drops of blood in spiritual agony. He was constantly moved with compassion and even burst into tears twice in public. From all this evidence, it is plain that our emotions are not to be suppressed since they have an essential place in our humanness and therefore in our Christian discipleship. Guys, I, if you're with me on this side, then we got it wrong. And, and we think that by suppressing our emotions, we are somehow exercising self-control and, and therefore being more godly. I, that's the only way that I can kind of process this. But Jesus' example shows us something completely different. And if we want to be like Jesus, we need to find ways to actually fully feel the way that he felt to embrace those emotions that were given, but to express them in the right ways. We need to allow ourselves to feel, but we also have to keep it real because that's what Jesus demonstrated. So let's, let's move over to the opposite side of the spectrum real quick on the dominated by side of things. So how many of you guys are dominated by your emotions? Yes, we have some excited people about that, all right? Yeah, you all are like, yes, that's me. And other people are like, yes, that's you, you know, You're like... Uh, we had a fight on the way over here just about that. So, um, yeah, we're dominated by our emotions. Now, I know that that word is not, like, particularly flattering. You know, we don't like to be able to say that we're dominated or dictated or driven by. Understand that that's the end of that, uh, that uh, spectrum that we need to be conscientious of. But we typically lean in one way or another. And those of you that are there know it, okay? Now, people that are dominated by their emotions are oftentimes much more aware of their emotions. They're in touch with their emotions. But they place higher value on their feelings and emotions than they probably ought to. You see, somewhere along the way, they started trusting their emotions. And those emotions actually started to define them. They become their feelings. They become that emotion that they feel. They determine your reality. They, are, they, they drive you and they dictate you. So much to the point where you start to think, because I feel depressed, I am depressed. You all get how this kind of works, right? Because our feelings actually become our reality, regardless of whether it's rational or not. And now this might not be something you would ever say out loud, but this is, this is a statement that kind of is indicative of how you think about your feelings. I feel it, therefore it must be true. I feel it, therefore it must be true. Your feelings at some point actually determine your reality and your truth, and that's a very bad path to go down because our feelings can mislead us. Our emotions can lead us into something that is not true and not right and not good. Jeremiah, the prophet, actually understood this when he said, the heart is the most deceptive of all things. We can be misled by these things. Just because you feel something doesn't necessarily make it true. How many of you guys have been misled by your emotions at some point in time in your life? All right? We've, we've all done it to a certain extent. Some of you guys just do it more often than others, all right? Maybe it was a relationship or a career move or a financial decision, and we just felt like we should do it, and we did it, and it turned out really, really bad. It's because emotions are a great teacher. They're a very bad decision maker. They're not a good leader, all right? And therefore, we must actually test our emotions. Now, I'm going to talk to you about that. For those of you all that fall on this side, I, I want to share Jesus' story with you. I want, to, I want you to see how Jesus actually interacted with his emotions and his feelings, but how he didn't allow it to dominate him. And I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
and set up the scenario, Jesus is just hours away from people coming to arrest him and him being tried and then ultimately being crucified, okay? And what the scriptures tell us is that he is overwhelmed, overwhelmed to the point of, of death, it says. He's sweating drops of blood like this guy is in turmoil. Now, this is hard for us to process and imagine, but this is Jesus expressing and embracing the emotion of anxiety, maybe even fear. And it's hard for us to be able to place that on, but Jesus, he becomes fully human and he fully feels, and therefore he's feeling anxious at this moment. But I want you to see how he actually deals with his anxiety at this moment. He's feeling it. And, and one of the first things that he does, he actually goes and he enlists some other people, his friends, his disciples, and he calls it out to them and he says, hey guys, I'm really, really overwhelmed. I need you to stay up and pray with me about this, okay? And so he calls out his disciples. He brings it to his friends to be able to do. Now, they're terrible friends. They fall asleep on him and don't help him out, okay? But he at least enlists other people. And then he goes to his father in prayer about this thing, and he confesses what he's feeling to his father. Okay, he's testing these things. But one of the things that he does is probably the most beneficial thing that any of us that are on the dominated by side can do is, is that he actually takes that feeling, and he presents it to God, and he says, not my will, not what I'm feeling, not what I'm thinking, not my current situation, not my limited ability to be able to see, but your will be done. I'm submitting my emotions to your truth. That's what we see Jesus do in the garden because he's keeping his emotions accountable. And we don't think about this oftentimes, but that's really something we need to do. We need to keep our emotions uh, accountable. Paul actually expresses this in different words, but he says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I think you could very easily substitute thought for emotion. You put emotion in there and you get the same sentiment. We take captive every emotion and make it obedient to Christ. You see, this is a very necessary thing to do because otherwise we can be misled by our emotions. We, we actually test our feelings. And when we test them and we see that they're actually rooted in the truth of God, that they're actually something good for us to do, then it's perfectly fine to embrace those things and be moved by them. But if we test those things and we bring other people in and we realize that this is not good, this is actually a lie from the devil, then you have to have the power to be able to dismiss those things and embrace the truth of God. You know, um, uh, some of you guys know this already, but my, my wife is, is prone to anxiety and attacks of anxiety because of a mental illness that uh, she's dealt with for, for years. Uh, on top of that, she's uh, like very, very pregnant with our fourth child, and she's already leans toward the dominated side kind of side of emotion, which is like the perfect trifecta for a, a huge emotional response, okay? And so, uh, so oftentimes, we'll get into this scenario or this situation where anxiety just starts to well up in her. And I can see it in her face, and I see it in her actions. And, and, uh, and it's, it's one of those things that's like, this response is not actually like, like it's not rational. Um, it, it's, it's not actually appropriate to like what she's actually experiencing. But she's feeling this so strongly. And it's in those moments and those times where uh, I have to remind her of, of the words that we find in Philippians. Paul says, he says, when, when, when you have anxiety... When, when you have anxiousness, when you have worry in your life, you bring those things to God with thanksgiving. And what, what God does is he takes your anxiety and then he gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding, which guards your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Okay, now, now sometimes I'll remind her of those particular passages and we'll sit and we'll pray, we'll talk, whatever it happens to be. And, and that anxiety gets lifted from her. But I gotta, be, I gotta be honest with you, there's often times that that doesn't happen. We'll pray that prayer, we'll speak that truth, we'll see these words that are, that are written, 
and she'll still feel anxious. It's in that moment. It's in those moments where we have to be able to test our feelings and be able to say, do I believe the truths and the promises of God more than I've put stock into my emotions and my feelings? At some level, my wife has to be able to make a distinction and say, if God's word is true and he has promised me his peace in this moment if I've given him my anxiety, then, then this anxiety that I'm feeling is actually a lie from the devil and I denounce it and I hold on to his peace. And therefore, I will be led by his truth in my emotions. I'm gonna choose to trust my father in his words over my feeling. Now, guys, I gotta tell you, this is incredibly difficult. This is not an easy thing to do. But if you find yourself on the dominated by side of things, you need to understand that you're going to be misled oftentimes by your emotions because they're rooted in a lie and you need to make that obedience to Christ so that he can allow your emotions to actually be sin. And so for you, you gotta allow yourself to feel. But you gotta keep it real. You gotta keep it rooted in the truth because that's what Jesus demonstrated. And speaking of demonstration, I think the proper demonstration of our emotions is the target is what Jesus is after. When we look at the spectrum, we have both ends of the spectrum, but, but Jesus uh, has created us to actually demonstrate our emotions in a right way. And when we do this in a right way, there's an incredible power that comes along with this. And, and another way I would say demonstration would be this. When we fully feel the way that God has called us to fully feel, we experience these emotions and we act, like we act and, re and respond accordingly then we can actually be moved into some incredibly powerful emotional situations. And so let me, just, uh, let me just mention a few of these things that we see when we talk about the power of emotion. These are some of the powers that come from emotion. One of them is that it, it creates a connection to others that we wouldn't otherwise have outside of our emotions. You see, uh, emotions connect to our humanity. It's easy to see people through judgmental eyes. We look at other people and we're like, you're not like me. You don't speak like me, you don't talk like me, you don't look like me, you don't act like me, you don't believe the same things that I do, and therefore I cast some kind of, uh, you know, dehumanization upon you. But, but what emotions do is when, when you see somebody expressing the same things that you already know inside your heart, you see them love, you see them laugh, you see them hurt, you see them cry, all of a sudden it breaks down some kind of barrier between you and allows you to see them as, as an us instead of a them because they're a part of the humanity that you are a part of. It creates connections to others. Uh, emotions also serve as a great motivator on both sides of this. And, and here's what I mean is, is sometimes you are incredibly passionate about something. You see a kid and you're just like, man, I want to love that kid. And you go serve in our kids' ministry or in our students' ministry and, and, and that like motivates you to go do something good, right? But in the same regard, there are some things that you see and you're just like, oh, that irritates me, that frustrates me, I hate that. And that can also motivate you in a very positive direction. And this is what I mean by it. When you find things that you hate, that God also hates, it's what we call holy discontent. God might have put that anger and that frustration and that discontent in you so that it motivates you to do something. Like, you know, the, the ending of child, you know, sex slavery. Or maybe, maybe like uh, making sure that kids have food uh, in their stomachs. Or, or, or going to another country to be able to tell them about Jesus because nobody else is there. And that just disturbs you can be an incredibly motivating factor when we embrace our emotions with the truth of God in it. It can also be an indication of something deeper. Here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> our emotions are indications of things that actually lie way, way deep inside that sometimes we're not aware of cognitively. 
Uh, and so here's just a bad situation, but uh, every once in a while there's a person that like, I don't like. It doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it happens, and something like really good happens to them. And inside of me, I'm like, mm, I hate that, that that thing good happened to them, right? Or maybe, you know, maybe something bad happened, and it's like secretly I'm like, all right, yeah, it's like good. Guys, that emotion that I'm feeling is obviously not rooted in the truth of God, and it's something that sh- it shines light into my heart. I need to do a heart assessment in that moment and figure out why. Why am I rejoicing over their failure? Something's wrong inside of me. I need to figure that thing out. Now, on the other side of this, it's also it's a great indication for us to be able to perceive other people. This is the emotional intelligence side of things. Incredibly difficult to do, but when we see somebody emotionally responding to something that doesn't quite match up to the situation, and we all know this with our kids and with our spouses, with our friends, we're like, whoa, I didn't know that was going to have that kind of effect on you. We're typically, we're, we, we typically focus on the actual emotional response. But if you can do this, I'm telling you, it could change how you interact with people. If you can see past the emotional response and be able to say, there's something deeper going on right now. There's something happening in your heart that maybe I can actually enter into and help you navigate. Man, emotions can be great indications. And the last thing is this, emotions can allow us to experience the fullness of life, the fullness that God has created, the fullness that Jesus said, I came to give you life and the fullness of it, okay? These emotional responses that God gives us is part of that fullness. And when we dismiss them or or dominated by them, like we don't get to experience the fullness because we're so concerned either being controlled by or or controlling our emotions on either side of the spectrum. But Jesus calls us and he shows us, he demonstrates for us that there is a way to fully feel in a way that can be incredibly powerful because there's power in emotion. And so I want to leave you guys today with this. And whichever side of the spectrum you happen to be on, but allow yourself to fully feel, but make sure you keep it real because that's what Jesus demonstrated. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. For your goodness, we thank you for your creation. We thank you for your insights above and beyond ours. Lord, we don't have this thing right. And if we think we do, uh, we're probably being misled. And so I, I pray that you would help us to find that center, to find uh, that, that proper demonstration, to find what it looks like to fully feel so that we might be able to unleash the power of emotion on your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.